Hi, welcome to Choice Words. I'm Ray, your book blogger for bookinfested.com and local cryptid. And I'm Gracie, your local pigeon and published poet. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about dialogue. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it. Dialogue. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it here. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about dialogue, some of the good things, some of the bad things. Yes. Um, what can you do about it? How to make your dialogue better if you're bad at it. How, <laughs> How to spot good and bad dialogue in all forms of media because this extends beyond books, my friends. <laughs> How do people talk? <laughs> How do talk? <laughs> what am talking? Um, so I just kind of want to open up really quick and talk about some of the pet peeves that we have yes. with dialogue. Um, I'll say right off the bat, one of mine is I hate when... Um, people use the same dialogue type over and over. Mm. So for me, this is where people do like dialogue, break it with a tag, dialogue, but they just do it back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. In the book, A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kemmerer. I, and I'm sorry, Bridget Kemmerer, your book was awful. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about mispronouncing her name. No, the book was awful. I've never read it. <laughs> You can check out Ray's reviews on her book blog, <laughs> bookinfested.com. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get so much hate mail of just like, I loved that book. Good. You can love it. It was bad. I love certain <laughs> bad things. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but in that, I at one point, I counted eight times in a row where she had dialogue, tag, dialogue. Next character, dialogue, tag, dialogue. Next character, dialogue, tag, dialogue. Yeah. So it's just like, you. it it became so repetitive that I right. couldn't it's not notice it. It was yeah. so distracting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves with dialogue, and you see this more so in like TV shows and movies. In fact, the example that I'll give is a movie. Um, but it does happen in books too. And it's when you share information through dialogue but in a way that no one would ever convey information oh ever so like the first one that comes to mind uh, that came to mind when i was making my notes was in the movie big hero six um the one of the first lines we have between hero and tadashi is i don't remember the exact line so i'm going to paraphrase it but it's something along the lines of yeah our parents died when i was a kid remember and it's like no one would say that yeah it's and like that line is only in there to establish these characters parents have died and that's the only purpose of that line and there are so many better ways to convey that kind of information whether through imagery or through a different line of dialogue which we will get more into when we talk about how to fix your dialogue yeah and honestly if you, if your characters are explaining to a character who already knows what the backstory yes. is what the backstory is you're just doing it for the audience yes. you should change it <laughs> Correct. And there Correct. are other ways to tell the audience things than through dialogue. Absolutely. Another thing that annoys the heck out of me <laughs> is when you get unnecessarily expressive tags. Oh, yeah. Where you have somebody who's just like, blah, 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 someone <laughs> ejected. It's like... Ejected? Ejected. It's like, I... <laughs> it's just like, are you vomiting? I like... <laughs> I, like, I... That drives me up a wall because, like, I love dialogue tags that are interesting, mm. that give something to the dialogue. Mm -hmm. But if you're just, like, throwing words in there, it'd be, like, synonym for yelled. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yes. One I, of my other, or sorry. Just no, I was, just, I was just going to say, it's just, it's too much. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of my other ones is forced dialogue or like, this happens, I've seen this a lot. Uh, for some context, I used to be a TA for a creative writing class um, in college. And I would see this a lot in newer students who were like, maybe this was their first short story. So again, not going to fault them for that. But I have seen it in some like work from established authors who we were like, oh, look at this person who's written all of these books. And then I would read it and I'd be like, Ugh. is when someone has an accent and they just convey that accent by misspelling every word. And again, there are ways, there are certain ways to to do that in a way that is not distracting. There's different word choices you can use. Again, we'll go into all of this later. But I it just, it, when your dialogue is no longer characterizing and it is instead distracting, I get so annoyed. And I'm just like, oh. yeah. Or when um, this happens a lot in the movie Ever After. Sorry to come for Ever After. Love the movie, but it's one of the worst dialogue, like, has the worst dialogue of any movie I've ever seen, maybe, where just all they do is say exactly what they're doing. And because it's a movie, it's even more annoying. Because <laughs> she'll be, like, climbing up a tree. And he'll be like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm climbing a tree. And I'm like, why are we having... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe that's something that, like, you would say as a joke in real life, but it's not a joke. She's just actually saying what she's doing. Yeah. So I get stressed Yeah, out. that sounds like something that I would say as a joke. Like, if somebody's just like, oh, what are you doing? And I'd be like, holding a knife in my hands. What do I look like I'm right. doing? Right, like, that's a thing where, like, that would be a joke that would be characterizing of, like, this character's very sarcastic. But it's not. It's just further explaining exactly what's happening in this visual media where I can see exactly what's happening. Also, using that example made me sound way more violent. So let's kind of switch to uh, maybe away from some of our pet peeves and more into what what is good dialogue? What are some some good forms of dialogue that we have seen? I love dialogue that feels natural. Like yes. it feels like how people would actually talk, even if you're reading it and you're like, wow, that's like if you're reading a high fantasy and you're like, no one talks like that anymore. But it feels real. It feels natural to how they speak. Yes. Um, I actually have a quote from Ernest Hemingway Please do. about dialogue. Um, and it, he says, good dialogue is not real speech. It is the illusion of real speech. Mm. And I, I, I wildly agree with that. Of, uh, I think there's this, especially in your early writing days when you're writing fiction for the first time or even creative nonfiction because you're incorporating quotes and things and it can get complicated, but there, there is this art to figuring out how to make dialogue feel natural, but not actually have it just be what somebody said, because they're not the same, you know, in books, we don't do a lot of like ums and likes and yeah. things, unless you're using that for characterization. But even then you have to use those sparingly. And there, mm -hmm. there is a, there's a rhythm to it. There's like a, almost a, poetic nature to it and i'm gonna get into that later we're gonna talk a lot about ernest hemingway today so yes yeah and i i also would venture to say that good dialogue gives a sense of the person and how they say things just yes. not what they say um yeah. you know i am a very like blunt and bitingly sarcastic person in real life Gracie is not so well, well not in the same way though. true so like there may be something that Gracie will say 
that I would say the same words and it would come across completely very different. different. Yeah. So finding that or even the opposite where it's like same sentiment but because we're so different wildly different words yes (laughs) yes yeah i agree that was the next thing that i was going to say is that one of my favorite things about good dialogue is that it's characterizing without being distracting kind of Mm -hmm. the exact opposite of what i was mentioning before i think an author who does this really well um is john green i have been a fan of john green forever like more than 10 years at this point. Um, but I just reread Turtles All the Way Down. I think I even mentioned it in an earlier podcast. Um, and when I was reading it, I just kept reading quotes out of context to Ray while I was sitting in our living room reading it because I was like, there's just something about the way that John Green writes the way that teenagers talk and think that feels, so, it hits home to me of the way that I still think and talk now, but also the way that I did when I was like a angry high schooler who just like, nobody understands me, but I'm hilarious about it. (laughs) The angst machine is strong. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. The angst and all of the like, like you said, like that biting humor and the like, my mom thinks this, which I think is completely wrong, but whatever, you know, and obviously that's not what it is because that would be terrible, but he does it in a a way that's very, very good that I love. Mm Mm-hmm. One more thing that I really like about dialogue that is constructed well, um, kind of again, the opposite of what I was saying in my pet peeves, is when information is shared through dialogue that comes across naturally. Um, And again, I would say to writers who are planning to do this, proceed with heavy caution. Like, you can go from from one end to the other very quickly. Where it's distracting, it's not natural. Um, One example of kind of a more natural but it can get stereotypical is uh in like murder mysteries and crime shows where you kind of have this character who is the purpose of them is to stand in for the audience you'll see this a lot on like criminal minds especially where like there will be some new character or some cop who's not familiar with their practices so when they say something um and then that character will will go what is that and then they'll explain and that to me Again, it can get tired if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, but it, it's a very easy way for you to explain something to your audience without it being two people who already know this information telling it to each other for no reason. Mm-hmm. So now that we've kind of touched on pet peeves, good dialogue, you know, some of what that overarching feels like, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about one of the biggest debates in the dialogue <laughs> community in the in the discussion about dialogue um, in the dialogue about dialogue <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the said versus descriptor take debate yes is said dead <laughs> would you like to go first or shall i um you can go first okay. because i can also talk a long time <laughs> okay. so go ahead i go think first. this may be one of the first times on this podcast that ray and i have genuinely disagreed on a topic yeah and i wouldn't even say we disagree i just think that like on the sliding scale, we're both, like, wherever center is on this scale, we're on slightly opposite sides of it. Yeah. Because to me, I don't think said is dead. I think that you shouldn't necessarily use it every time, but for me, when I have, when there is too much explanation in a dialogue, uh, 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 those dialogue markers, 
I think it gets distracting and to me almost pulls me out of the story because I'm thinking too much about how this person sounds, where I prefer there to be some kind of movement, um, some kind of show me how the character feels without saying they yelled or they, you know, whatever, whatever you end up using. I tend to prefer more of that in, in the visuals of what you're writing uh, rather than, you know, saying exclaimed like, what are other ways you can, you know, let me know by the author or uh, as the author, what are other ways you can let me know that this person is yelling? Um, so yeah, so I don't necessarily think said is dead. I think, again, I, I'm probably going to say this a lot as we're talking more about these writing ones, especially with dialogue, proceed with caution. Don't overuse it. Change up where you're putting it, whether it's before or after, making sure you don't have floating heads, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, said is not dead. And for me, it's not that you shouldn't use said, it's that the overuse of said annoys the heck out of me. That's fair. <laughs> like, people who use said for every dialogue tag with, like, maybe one or two others, you know, sprinkled <laughs> in, annoys me because I'm sitting here going, like, but how are they saying it? Mm. What, mm-hmm. if, especially if it's a lot of back and forth dialogue, yeah. where you have, like, a page or half a page of just boom, 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 back Mm -hmm. and forth dialogue, and it should feel witty or snappish, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. because you're just saying, he said, she said, they said, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I don't care. That's fair. Um, I definitely prefer if you have something where, even if you just add on, it's like, a little bit, even if you just like say said, but then add a little bit at the end, where it's just like, she said snappishly, Mm. which you can just, turn around and say she snapped at him um or saying something where it's you know he said flipping his hair over his shoulder like see that's what i like and and you can do that dialogue tag followed by movement yeah i guess i just when all you when all you have is said right find another way to say (laughs) said so to sum up for you, said is mostly dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> Obviously, like, and, and I am definitely more moderate in the thought of, like, mm-hmm. if you're literally going through a thesaurus to find every <laughs> other way, like, if you're desperate to not use the word said, just say said. Yeah. Like, I think hard and fast rules when it comes to writing, there are few. Mm-hmm. I think that most rules have their outliers, their limitations. Yeah. What's more important is that you know the rules so that when you break them, you're doing them well. Yeah. Or at least know the rules so that you can bend them when appropriate. Yes, absolutely. Um, because if you're getting to the point where you are saying something like, this person ejected, mm-hmm. at that point, just say something simple like, they yelled, right. they said, right. they whatever like use a simple tag if you're getting to the point where you're like i'm running out of ways to say the word say again like like i said say it with motion like Mm -hmm. they said throwing their water bottle across the room you know like there are other ways to convey emotion than just that tag yeah but i think another part too that um kind of bothers me with the idea of said is you don't get a sense of volume either Mm. so just saying said is like room where we're talking i am saying this Mm -hmm. versus i'm gonna get up close to the microphone so that i can speak very quietly (laughs) i hate it i'm not even i'm not even hearing it and i hate it (laughs) so you know this is me getting all murmury and weird (laughs) some fun (laughs) asmr (laughs) yeah versus 
you know, if I'm yelling. Ah! <laughs> sure. Um, so it's like, it's a very, it's a very different, said does not give a sense of volume. Right. Which to me can add weight mm-hmm. to a dialogue. You know, if somebody is saying something really important, but they're murmuring it, mm-hmm. or they're saying something that should be said as a whisper, but they're saying it in a really loud talking voice. Right. Then that gives a sense of like, eh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Or uh, it, it can help to adjust the mood as well. Right. Especially because in fiction writing, especially, it is good to, one of those harder rules is to avoid capitalization. Like just having an all cap sentence. Right. And exclamation points. Like right. obviously use them sparingly. You can use them. But they should not be your means to to convey volume. You should be doing that through other means. Yeah. So for me, just using said over and over and over again does not convey volume in an effective way. And that's fair. That's fair. So let's talk a little bit more. I mentioned the phrase already, but let's talk a little bit more about floating heads, which I think ties in well to our said versus exposition of what's happening Versus whatever it is you're adding on. So let's talk about floating heads. So what's a floating head? So a floating head is basically you have someone standing there and you're not talking about what they're doing. You only see their dialogue coming out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And you have no sense of, are they standing? Are they sitting? Are they in a room? Are they outside? Are they floating in the void? (laughs) You know, like... Which if they are, your reader needs to know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, so you just get a head that's talking and nothing else is happening. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think it's important to note a lot of good dialogue is what happens around the dialogue. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, Grace, do you want to chat a little bit about yeah, absolutely. floating heads and um, the problems with that? <laughs> one of the things I actually want to talk about are times when it works. Is that okay? That's fair. Yeah, because, again, I think any hard and fast rule that you have with writing is going to have an outlier. Um I mentioned I was going to talk about Ernest Hemingway again, and I will talk about him again right now. So one of the things that Ernest Hemingway does with his writing is he drops his, sometimes he even drops his set, like he'll just have the in quotes dialogue Mm -hmm. for a page, sometimes two pages. And um, it can get confusing Mm -hmm. if you lose track of who's talking. And so that can be one of those times where maybe you need something a little bit more. I'll give two examples. Um, I don't have the dialogue in front of me, but in both For Whom the Bell Tolls and The Sun Also Rises, he has these long stretches of just these two characters talking back and forth, and he doesn't even say he said or she said, and it reads like poetry, almost. Mm. And I think that that, when you do it well, can be really powerful in a moment of like, it. It's almost like saying the entire room disappeared and it was just the two of them, but you're doing it visually. But again, proceed with caution because in both of those books, when I read them, I had to go back and count and be like, all right, who's saying which of these lines? And in some cases, just a straight read through, it almost doesn't matter. Because again, you know, there's layers to this of like, it works because it looks like poetry. It works because it's just these two people and they're just in a room and they're just talking. And so the words are what's important. And it's important to the point that it doesn't even matter which character said which thing. But as a person who was trying to write a paper about these people, <laughs> I needed to know who said which thing. <laughs> and also as a reader who was trying to follow the narrative, I needed to know who said which thing. So 
used sparingly, but I think there are limited times where floating heads can work to your benefit. Yeah. And I, I would, I've never read For Whom the Bell Tolls. I know I'm a bad, I'm a bad English That's okay. major person. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would hazard a guess that going into that, there was some sort of setting setup. Correct. Yeah. So yep. you on have... both ends of, of any kind of stretch of dialogue that he does mm-hmm. like that, at least in my memory, there is a lot of exposition of what's happening around them. And then it breaks into this dialogue chunk. And then at the end of it, you have more exposition of what's happening around them. Yeah. So if, if you are going to go into the floating heads thing, Definitely have some setup beforehand. Yes. So you don't just have, like, there are two people talking and we don't know what's happening. You know, right. a conversation on a street corner is yes. going to sound very different from a conversation in an office. Right. And you have to already have established who these characters are and why we care about them. Right. Because otherwise, I will lose interest in it immediately. <laughs> right, right. And so you really do need to have some sort of setup mm-hmm. before you go into a talking head. Yes. You can't just jump you know dive bomb start of the story it also cannot be your whole story Mm -hmm. and i would argue especially depending on the length of your piece wouldn't do it more than once because Mm -hmm. especially if you are using it to emphasize something about the dialogue specifically you want that to matter for that moment so you don't want to be repeating the same thing over and over again even in just style you know like you don't you don't want your 12 page short story to be four pages of no context of what's happening dialogue because that will be a lot for you to ask of your reader Mm -hmm. (laughs) and your editor and your publisher (laughs) and anyone else involved if you even have a publisher (laughs) because that's a lot to ask (laughs) yeah and that is one thing that like let's kind of jump in from here because you talked about dialogue tags in that sense dropping them so i'm just gonna segue right into talking about when is it appropriate to just, or is it appropriate to just drop dialogue takes altogether in certain places? Mm-hmm. And if it is, when and how can you do that effectively? Yeah. Um, I would say that it's okay to do it, but in the same way that with talking heads, you want to use it sparingly, you also want to use the dropped dialogue takes yes. very sparingly. And I would say for no more than six lines yeah and that's yep. the cap of yeah. what i will look at yeah i definitely look at dropping dialogue tags of when you want like a fast back and forth mm-hmm. especially if it is very clear who's doing what mm-hmm. yeah and for me it works really well when it's being like that snappy back and forth mm-hmm. of you've already established like who's the sarcastic one right. or if these people have like an argumentative relationship mm-hmm. it helps to just like speed things up because your eyes aren't going through the dialogue takes and you all you already have a sense of how these characters interact so yes. if you want something to go by quickly you can just boom 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 okay on to mm-hmm. the next piece yes and and this is a thing we'll talk about again but when you are going to do that making sure that you have two distinct character voices mm-hmm. in your dialogue can be really helpful because then it's not so confusing about like, oh, which character said what thing, depending mm-hmm. on how long you go. Your, your reader's going to know, especially if you are building in that like witty rapport or a fight, you need to know how your characters are going to, to sound, mm-hmm. both in tone, yes, but also what words are they going to use. Um, yeah, I ag- agree. I think sparingly is best. Um, I think 
another time is when people are interrupting each other that's a time you can sort of kind of drop them but even then a lot of times it's helpful to have like maybe you drop it at the end of one but at the next one you say they interrupted yeah (laughs) you know i I think use sparingly no more than six lines i think that's probably a pretty good like rule to to go by yeah Mm -hmm. would you say that there are times when you shouldn't use the dropping of dialogue tags um, I think anytime you have more than two characters speaking, um, especially if you, if they're newer characters, I think early on, um, in your story while you're still developing who these characters are and why we should care about them and what we know about them, probably not a great time to drop it. Um, and I will say, like we were saying before, all of these are not hard and fast rules. Obviously, right. there are exceptions to the rule. Like, right. when you were speaking, the one thing that came into my mind is, like, scenes where you have somebody who's, like, coming out of a fog or a stupor, and they catch, like, snippets of a bunch of p- different people yeah. saying things. But in that sense, like, they're supposed to be confused, so they're right. not going to know who's saying what. Right. Yeah, again, um, there, there is always going to be exceptions There are always going to, to be rule. exceptions. And yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there yeah. for anybody who's just like, well, I read this story mm-hmm. and it has this. Yeah. That's fine. Right. As long as the rules are broken or bent effectively, yes. that's totally okay. We're not sitting here going like, you should never blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> right. weird. Right. And I think another time where dropping he said or they said in favor of motion and movement is something that Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoy both in my own writing but also I enjoy reading because it avoids that floating head so you don't necessarily have to say like he said uh, whatever whatever or she whatever whatever she said you could Mm -hmm. instead have whatever the line is and then have an and action. then have an action, whether that be you know like it again depends on yeah. the context of your story. It's hard to give examples without having like yeah, so something like, in front of so me. So an example might be if you're trying to get across that this character is very aloof, you might have them say something like, "Is that so?" They crossed their legs and brushed a bit of dust off. Fix me with a with a raised eyebrow, you right. know, yeah. something like that, where it's like you get across how based on the action that follows it, you can still get across yes how the thing might be said yeah it goes back to that thing you said earlier where a lot of good dialogue is not what happens in the dialogue Mm -hmm. it's what happens around the dialogue it's that characterizing of movements of uh, setting things like that you can have you know you can have a dialogue tag or you can have instead of a dialogue tag you can have how someone reacted to what was just said um yeah yeah one of the things um you can also show kind of how dialogue might come across in juxtaposition to what's happening around mm-hmm. them. Um, I just talked about Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, and in that book there's a scene where a character opens a door, sees a man who's beaten black and blue hanging from the ceiling by his hands, and she just goes, oh, wrong door, closes the door. Right. And, like, you get the sense and of, that's like, one of those times where you're learning a lot of information in a short amount of time mm-hmm. about what goes on in this world. Because you're learning, this is not an unnormal, this is not an abnormal experience for this woman who opened the door. <laughs> yeah, it's either not abnormal or she feels justified that it's happened. Right. And so yeah, it's, Maybe even both. <laughs> yeah, maybe even both. So it's that, just her being like, wrong door, and then closing the door with, like, nothing added mm-hmm. on to it mm-hmm. gives a sense of, oh, this is much more flippant than somebody who opens the door and is like, 
oh, wrong door. I'm going to leave now. And right. has that like real nervous energy to them, mm-hmm. um, which again, you could show outside of the line of dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's maybe transition into talking about, and we've talked about it quite a, lo- a lot along the ways, but um, fixing bad dialogue. How do we do that? Yeah, so I think one of the good things, one of the best ways to fix dialogue or to create good dialogue is to listen to dialogue. Um, Like I said before, a conversation on a street corner is going to sound very different from a conversation in an office, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're talking about different settings. You know, um, if I saw Gracie on the street, I was just like, oh my gosh, hi, Gracie. That's going to sound much different from me talking to a therapist or talking mm-hmm. to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so listening to real dialogue and listening to how it sounds. This is your full permission. You have our permission as a writer. Eavesdrop. <laughs> Eavesdrop so much. You do it all the time. Put in your headphones. Don't play anything. Listen to everything everyone says. <laughs> I'm a gossip hound, so like this is my favorite thing. I want to know the stuff strangers are talking about, even if it has nothing to do with me. Learn. <laughs> Learn by watching. <laughs> one of one of the funny things that I found in one of our English classes was we did have an assignment where mm-hmm. it was you had to listen to a conversation and write down, not like the whole conversation, but like write down. Right, obviously, co- like don't give away people's details. <laughs> yeah, but like write down a couple of lines of dialogue and bring it into class just to like see what it sounds like. Yeah. And I remember there was a snippet of dialogue that I listened to. I listened to two distinct snippets of dialogue, and I was going to bring one in. And then I heard the second one, and I'm like, this is this is too good <laughs> not to bring in. And it was a conversation between two college girls um, who, I mean, you can draw whatever conclusions that you want from what <laughs> I'm about to say here. But the conversation literally went like this. So, like, have you talked to person's name redacted (laughs) redacted (laughs) recently and the other person was like yeah but I mean like he was just so like I mean have you I mean like it was just like and I was like no I couldn't even (laughs) I've literally there was no context to anything in that sentence to any conversation (laughs) I love that so much one because I love hearing people talk like that but two because I have literally said sentences like that in my life but also looking at how people move and what they yes. look like when right. they're saying these because things. Because in reality, her friend knew exactly what she was talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, her exactly. Friend, her friend knew about. exactly what she was talking about. And there was another snippet of dialogue between two women. One woman gave another woman a gift, and the first woman goes, No! And the other woman goes, Yeah! <laughs> and the first woman pulls out the gift and goes, No! And the other Aww. woman goes, Yeah! <laughs> and it's like six back and forths of just... Yeah. In different tones. Right, and right. then, yeah, in different tones. And that would be a great example of a time to not drop your dialogue tags and not drop your descriptions of what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, when you listen to actual conversations and watch how people's facial expressions yes. change, you can, I will argue and say, you can have an entire conversation without using a single line of dialogue. 100%. We do it every single day. So, like, you and I do it almost every oh, single yeah. day. Like, I'll walk into a room and you'll, like, look at me and I'll be like, mm. <laughs> and you don't, you listeners did not see the face I made at Ray, but Ray would know what that face meant if I was walking into a room. You know, like, it's just, 
if I'm on the phone with somebody, or if, well, I'll say, if you're on the phone with somebody, within 10 seconds of looking at you, I can tell who you're on the phone with. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Whether because you give me a look, or because you're talking and you're making a face. You know, like, and that's the thing, is that, like, people do that. Language is so much more than just the words that come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of dialogue. Because... As we've stated, you know, what your body language is saying, what your emotions are, you can be saying one thing and what your meaning is is the exact opposite, and you have to show your reader that. Yeah, so in regards to fixing bad dialogue, when you get to that, listen to how your dialogue sounds. Like, if you put this in a real-world scenario, would it feel natural, or Mm. would you have people walking by that conversation going, what is happening? (laughs) And and maybe that's the point. I mean, maybe that's the point. But if you're having two But if you were in that conversation, would it make sense? (laughs) Yeah, and maybe you have two people who are just having a normal, high get-to-know-you conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, let's... For the context of this, let's say two people are on a first date. They're not going to sit there and, and be like, hello, yes, I am glad to be on this date. <laughs> I hope you not. are very attractive. Like, what? no, that does, that sounds wow, weird. I can't believe our first date is here at restaurant and we're eating food. <laughs> <laughs> and drinking beverage. And if, if anyone heard that, I would assume those people were space aliens. I'd be like, those are aliens, and they have come to Earth, and they have figured out how to act like humans, or at least what they think humans act like. (laughs) This actually brings me to one of my next points for figuring out if your dialogue is bad and finding out ways to fix it, is that you should read your dialogue out loud. Does it read it out loud? (laughs) You should read all of your writing out loud. But um, does it feel natural to say does it sound like words another human being on this earth would say? Maybe your character is not a human being, et cetera, et cetera. But the point being, your dialogue needs to be good, and reading it out loud is going to be a huge step towards figuring out whether or not it sounds natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it sounds unnatural, you should tell us why. Right, or fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you can do is, and this can actually be really helpful. I know not everybody has the like resources for this, but have somebody else read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, or just have like somebody in the room while you're reading it out loud. Ray and I do this for each other all the time when we're writing fiction is like, Hey, I'll, I'll like look up from my computer and be like, Hey, um, if you were a person, how would you say this? <laughs> And Ray will, you know, help me figure out what I'm saying. Or Ray will read me something that she's working on. And I'll be like, wait, actually, can I make a note about this? You should say this this way. Because I think that would tell you this thing about your character. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, without getting giving away any of our yeah. actual writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's for secrets. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that there are some people who are like, reading out loud is not a good way to judge your writing. I feel like while there are some stories that are more inclined to be read out loud than others, right. reading dialogue out loud mm-hmm. will vastly improve yeah. your yeah. dialogue yeah. in your story, especially if it's something that you struggle with. Mm-hmm. I know dialogue is either one of those things that you're, in my experience, and is either one of those things that you can do really well or you just don't really have a knack for right away. Right. And so reading it out loud and especially matching it up with similar conversations mm-hmm. um, can really help. One of the things that I've done sometimes to try and practice dialogue, especially if it's for a person type that I've never written before, um, 
is listening to a conversation and then trying to write it that conversation as if it were in a story. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, don't, like, don't, plagiarize yeah, someone's work. Well, but for, And this is for practice. This well, isn't right, for publishing. I was going to say, for this writing is, practice, yeah. I think that that's, yeah, yeah really this good. is this is not for publishing. This is me trying to get better, and this yeah. is definitely something that I would suggest maybe trying. I don't yeah. know if it would work for you, but it's something to try, is if you hear a snippet of dialogue, especially for someone that maybe you want to try writing, but you've never written that type of person before Mm -hmm. you can take that dialogue and try and write it out as if it was in the middle of a chapter or something and be like what would this conversation look like if i was writing it out yeah if somebody who wasn't if i was trying to tell somebody who wasn't here all of the information they needed to know to feel like they were here with me hearing this same conversation what would i write down Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really good that's really good for practice um i think another thing you need to do is consider your audience Mm -hmm. um because um, I'll mention John Green again. John Green does a really good job of considering his audience when he uses his uh, he uses his dialogue really well. Um, it feels very natural to at least for me. I guess I'll say this. Is, people have debated about this, but um, John Green writes really intelligent teenagers, and that was the friend group I had. Was like. One minute we're sobbing over some stupid boy and the next minute we're waxing poetically about like the moon or whatever (laughs) or like cigarette smoke in a parking lot or, you know, and and, and it's this really natural, it felt very comfortable because it felt like any conversation I was reading was, especially when I was reading it in high school, was a conversation I could have had with one of my friends in high school. Mm. So considering your audience and considering how your audience speaks, especially if you are writing a character that looks like them. If you want a character that connects with them, it needs to sound like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another part of, like, listening to actual dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't be, like, weird about it, mm-hmm. but, like... <laughs> don't get, like, stalkery. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, if you're trying to write for teenagers and you're like, I don't know how to write for teenagers. I'm not a teenager I'm myself. I'm not a teenager yeah. myself. Go where teenagers hang out. Listen TikTok. To- YouTube. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, but like, go to a mall. Listen yeah. to the conversations that happen around you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if I was trying to write a story about an old woman in a nursing home, I'm going to go to a nursing home <laughs> yeah. and like, listen to the type of conversations that they have, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I think that we talk a lot about, or I guess maybe not we, in the writing community, People talk a lot about doing interviews, especially mm-hmm. for creative nonfiction, but nobody says you can't do an interview for fiction. Right. Like, interview somebody who looks like your character. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, when I say looks, I mean somebody who embodies, embodies your character. Not necessarily they don't have to look Just like you. Just physically looks like. <laughs> right, right. It, talk to somebody who embodies what, what your you character want your character is. to be. Yeah. And again, um, don't just rip off a single person don't write yeah. following this Absolutely. person exactly we talked about this before um not in this episode but in our character episode mm-hmm. of like you don't want to exactly follow somebody right um or if you do exercise extreme amounts of caution right um but there's nothing that says you can't listen to how they say something mm-hmm. and use that keep that in the back of your head when yeah, you're your writing research. dialogue mm-hmm. that's how that is how i wrote almost every single one of my research papers <laughs> in college was I turned the little announcer voice in the back of my head for National Geographic when he's talking about, <laughs> you know, 
the gecko in the plains of blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, and that's the voice I would turn on and be like, yes, this paper about personality disorders, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and like use that voice to write my papers. And I'd have people who'd be like, why do you use such a, how do you get such a good academic voice in your papers? And I'm like, I literally just turn on the documentary person in the back mm-hmm. of my head, the little mm-hmm. National Geographic. I'm going to talk about, you know, this random, almost extinct bird voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So another thing I think is important to think about when trying to fix bad dialogue or just considering your dialogue in general is um, going back to what we said about sharing information in dialogue. Um, I think you you need to share information. Well, you don't need to. It is helpful to share information through dialogue, especially because then you don't have... You don't just have exposition after exposition after exposition. You have a better flow of back and forth. Um, so I think sharing information with your reader through dialogue in, in ways that feel natural, but don't assume that your reader can't connect a couple of dots, especially when you're trying to show characterization between two different people in a dialogue setting, you know, there are, we've talked about this again and again, but there are ways that people talk to each other that are like me talking to Ray is going to be very different to how I talk to my cat or my sister. And like, Yes, I have my voice. I speak the way I do. But there are word changes and tone switches. And and all of that can be conveyed through dialogue. But so can information. You know, like, um, if I was talking to my sister about something that had happened, I wouldn't say, remember this thing that happened eight years ago when we... And then I would explain the thing that my sister already knows about. I would say something more along the lines, like, of an inside joke almost you know yeah or if you were trying to do a remember you'd be like hey you remember that thing with uncle joe right i wouldn't say remember that time that uncle joe blah 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 yeah right because then at that point she doesn't have to remember you just told her what happened right and again we talked about how that is for the audience and you need to do some of that but it can't be so exact that your audience is like we get it you know your audience can put some some things together here you know like you could sit you could have a character say um oh i haven't been home in a long time and the other character could say oh why not and you could say something about oh you know family and like i don't your character doesn't need to say well i have a terrible relationship with everyone in my family and i'm basically estranged and la 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 you you can just say oh well you know how family is and your reader is gonna know oh like Yes, I do know how family is for some people, even if it's not my own. Yeah. You know, you don't have to you don't have to lay it out for them, but share information with your reader. Yeah. I would also say for fixing bad dialogue, you need to read. Oh, like, 100%. And, and this kind of that's I, that's I feel reading like, writing advice number 1. Yeah. Read. I feel like this is just one of those overarching if you want to be a writer, you should be a reader. Yeah. That is my Rules. one hard and fast rule about uh, being a writer. And But <laughs> honestly, like, I'm just going to tack this on here because I do feel like in this specifically, it really does help read a lot and read a lot of different kinds of books. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many books that I've read where dialogue doesn't work well. And then when I'm looking at it, I'm like, why is this so annoying? And then I start picking it apart and I'm like, oh, Bridget Kemmerer used... Eight, the same dialogue kind, eight different ways. I'm still not over it. Um, 
yeah. the same dialogue type eight different times in a row. Right. That's annoying. Right. Versus if I'll read another story and I'll be like, wow, I'm so sucked into how these people, how these people, how these people speak. And I'm so sucked into their dialogue, even if it's nothing like I've ever, like nothing that I would ever hear in real life or nothing that I would interact with in real life. And then I can look at it and be like, oh, why does this work so well? So read a lot. Look at why you like what you like, mm-hmm. why you don't like what you don't like. And see, really analyze a scene and what that dialogue sounds like. What's mm-hmm. happening to the characters around Mm-hmm. their dialogue yeah and i think this goes too for different styles of writing like if you are writing scripts you should be watching tv shows and movies and analyzing the dialogue in those and watching where people fail mm-hmm. <laughs> because like there are some really really great movies with incredibly powerful dialogue and then there's some that i'm just like mm-hmm. all right <laughs> the story's cool but your characters are boring or they just talk too much or you know whatever it is that nitpicky stuff um you should be you should be absorbing content and and, and analyzing it where where you can especially if, if this is a skill you're actively trying to get better at mm-hmm all right, so that is it for our dialogue talk. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, look forward to having you back again uh, two weeks from now on Monday. Um, you can, in the meantime, follow us here on Spotify for updates about more episodes coming out. You can listen to our old episodes. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at ChoiceWords underscore pod or on Facebook at ChoiceWords Podcast. We would love to hear from you. We would love some like really good examples of terrible dialogue. Yes. I would love to hear your thoughts on Give terrible dialogue. Give me the worst dialogue. And also if you have a piece that you're like, hey, whether it's from a movie, short story book, whatever it is, if you're like, this is some of the best dialogue I've ever heard or read in my life, send us that too. Because I think good examples mm-hmm. also helpful. Um, yeah, and maybe we'll post a couple of our own. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that that's it. Awesome. So, thanks for coming to check us out. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for listening. Okay. Bye! (laughs) That never gets old. Nope. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Here's a list of some of the literature we mentioned in this episode. A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kemmerer. Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway. The Sun Also Rises, also by Ernest Hemingway. The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. We also mentioned these films and TV shows. Big Hero 6, Ever After, and Criminal Minds. If you're interested in checking out any of the literature mentioned on this list, we highly recommend checking out your local library. Or if you're in the St. Paul area, we suggest visiting Subtext, a bookstore located in downtown St. Paul. Thanks again for listening. We'll speak to you soon.